0: Hey guys, it's Pete Mundo of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks for downloading this week's podcast. Please do rate us, review us, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Do it, and then send me a screenshot of your review to Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com, and I'll get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. They're going fast; we got a handful left, so please do that, and we'll get you one right in the mail. Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Enjoy the show, guys, and we'll talk to you soon. Third and goal at the three. And Iowa State moved at the snap. Skyler Thompson to the goal line. Touchdown. I can feel it coming on now as the music plays. Taking shots with the night out. He's at the bail 35, the 30, the 25, the 20. It's a foot race to the 10, to the 5. Into the end zone. He goes again. David Sills with a 53-yard touchdown reception. We're going all night long, everybody. And the Cyclones went When the sun goes down, stars come out, a, they just kept trying to catch him, and he just kept running away from them. It's 81 yards for McCleskey on the grab. So high, can the style, the top, it. Never, Locked it down the middle for Rodney. It's caught at it the 10 to the 4. I got to be honest, I cannot believe the college football season is already, it's already in the books. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much for joining us, whether it's on the podcast, the radio show, YouTube, uh, Facebook, whatever it might be. Thanks so much for joining us. We're your independent Big 12 digital media outlet And, you know, 14 weeks after the fact, we have no more college football. Yes, we have Army, Navy. I love our military. I'm into it. But it's not the Big 12. Come on. There's nothing on the line here. Eh, We're missing something. Well, we got the announcement over the weekend. You know, we did the uh, podcast on Sunday. If you weren't a part of that, go download it on iTunes. We do it after each and every weekend of games. But then we got the bowl games later in the day. So what I want to do is take you through the bowl games and give you what I think are the best Big 12 bowl games in order. We'll start at the top and I'm not going to, you know, preview them and do a deep dive into them right now. Just want to look at them for you and be kind of, you know, tease them for you a little bit and rank them for you. Let's start with the Oklahoma Sooners who are of course in the College Football Playoff taking on none other than the mighty Alabama Crimson Tide. Now don't forget, OU was a 17-point underdog in that Sugar Bowl a few years ago with Trevor Knight at quarterback, and they blew out Nick Saban's team. Just, just remember that. I could not believe OU opened up as a 14-point underdog. The fact that OU is going to be told for a month how much uh, garbage they have on the defensive side of the ball is going to be a good thing for this team. You know, Nick Saban said, I want no part of playing Georgia again. I don't want to play Georgia again. That was ridiculous. He was totally having reverse psychology and the media led by Kirk Herbstreit bought it hook, line and sinker like the suckers that they are. He doesn't want to face Oklahoma. Are you kidding me? Think about the teams that Nick Saban struggled with over the last bunch of years. Two teams stick out in my mind, the Oklahoma Sooners and Ole Miss Hugh Freeze's offense; those are the kind of offenses that he has problems with. His team is built in the SEC, and to play in the SEC, it is not built to play against teams like the Oklahoma Sooners. Now, that being said, you know if Marquise Hollywood Brown is not healthy for this game, it's going to be a big loss for OU. But Alabama, as good as the defense is, they've had better defenses. What's made this team? That much better is the fact that they have a Heisman contender at quarterback and the wide receivers are great. But the defense has been better for Nick Saban in the past. So this OU offensive line, uh, you know, this is arguably the best offensive line in America. And finally, people are seeing that. I've been seeing guys and gals throw up stuff on Twitter like, wow, this OU offensive line is the real deal. Wow, they're really good yeah we've been watching them all season you should as well once in a while flip on a big 12 game you know stop with your uh, you know SEC love and your Big Ten love and check out the fact that hey uh, teams in this league it's not all about the wide receiver and the big 12 it's it's just not so obviously that's the top game in the conference that we'll be keeping an eye on as we get closer and closer to Saturday December 29th then you've got Texas and Georgia in the sugar Bowl and by the way let me just say this too any Big 12 fan. I don't care how much you hate OU. I don't care how much you hate Texas. Every OU fan should be rooting for Texas in the Sugar Bowl. Every Texas fan should be rooting for OU in the Orange Bowl. And every other team of the other, every other fan of the other eight teams in the Big 12 should be rooting for OU and Texas. You want to slay the heavyweights in the SEC. Do you realize how big of a boon that would be for this conference if your top two teams blow out, not even blow out, just just, just win at least one of those two games against SEC heavyweights? Now, we know what's going to happen, right? What's going to happen is that the media is going to say, well, you know, Georgia wasn't motivated. Georgia got you know, Georgia got totally screwed not making the college football playoff. They're not motivated for this game. They're not into this game. Eh, who cares? That's basically what happened when OU rolled Bama with Trevor Knight a few years ago in that Sugar Bowl. I mean, it was the same excuse. Eh, Alabama's not into it. Alabama only gets jacked up for national championship games. All right, good one. I got it. People see through that nonsense. So, you know, you should all be rooting for OU in Texas and I know I'm going to get accused of being an OU Texas homer. I'm not. I want to see the conference do well. And if you can slay the two big SEC dogs, guess what? That's great for the branding of this Big 12, which is on the rise while conferences like the Pac-12 shooting down the other way just a little bit. They are. All right. Third most important game In the uh, Big 12 Bowl season, Oklahoma State and Missouri in the Liberty Bowl. Now, I know you're going to say, it's the Liberty Bowl. Come on, that's going to be your third most important game. It is. Here's why. Same reason, Big 12, SEC. I want the Big 12 to beat the SEC in every stinking game that it plays because uh, you can tell I'm getting worked up. That damn conference drives me bonkers. And with the way that the SEC was treated – by a lot of people over this last weekend of the season and the incredible bias that we know is there but continues to confirm itself day after day after day i want to see oklahoma state give a crap about the liberty bowl which by the way with mike gundy and this team with where it's been this year i i don't know what to expect i i really don't <laughs> Is it going to be the team that lost to Kansas State by 19? Or is it going to be the team that, you know, uh, played with Texas, played with Oklahoma, uh, played with West Virginia? Which team is going to show up? Your guess is as good as mine. Because this is a Missouri team that beat Florida. Yeah, the mighty Florida Gators, another arguably overrated SEC team, by 21 points. So let's see uh, Oklahoma State go out there. Slow down Drew Locke a little bit put some big points on the board, care, I'd love to see this team care, and get a win. So there we go. One, two, three, in order of importance in Big 12 Bowl games. Obviously, OU at the top uh, taking on Alabama, Texas and Georgia in the uh, Sugar Bowl, Oklahoma State taking on Missouri in the Liberty Bowl. Then we get to Iowa State against Washington State. This is a fascinating one because this game, you put Mike Leach's offense against John Heacock's defense. On top of that, you put a bunch of Cyclones fans in San Antonio. I hope San Antonio's been stocking up on its Bush Light the last few days because they're going to need it. You know, uh, our own Derek Duke of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. He is a San Antonio native. He's going to be writing a guide to San Antonio for uh, for Cyclones fans heading down that way. So stay tuned for that on the website. But You get Mike Leach, which, by the way, brings its own set of fun to it. And that great Washington State offense. Let's see what John Haycock does and what he draws up. I want to see Brock Purdy in the Alamo Dome. I want to see this Iowa State team, which was in the Liberty Bowl last year, got a win. Now I want to see him on the next level of a big stage, the Alamo Bowl. I mean, that's a big game. That's like the third-tier game for the Big 12. And by the way, the Alamo Bowl was wise to take on Iowa State over um, Iowa State over West Virginia because the West Virginia fan base was not going to travel to San Antonio. It was very important that they got an Iowa State team and a fan base that travels like crazy. Uh, Memphis was bonkers last year, so good job by the Alamo Bowl to uh, to pick that up. So Iowa State fourth biggest game in the Big 12 bowl schedule. Then I'll go West Virginia. And Syracuse. You know, a couple of old Big East rivals and the Camping World Bowl down in Orlando. I think it was the Camping World Bowl a couple of years ago where West Virginia played Miami, right? I think that was the Camping World Bowl. And it didn't have a lot of juice to it. That was the Skylar Howard team. And I, I don't know. Something about that bowl game never really excites me. And it's great, I guess, if you're an old Big East fan that to have these two teams playing each other. And I know Syracuse is pretty good this year. But it just feels like a letdown for West Virginia to think it was going from playing in a Big 12 championship game, competing for a conference title, to being in the Camping World Bowl. You know, I don't know how much this team is going to care. They played in the heart of Dallas bowl game last year, and I know Will Greer was hurt for it, but the the stadium was embarrassingly thin. Nobody was at that game. There was no juice to it. I know it was two teams in Dallas from like 1,500 miles away in Utah and West Virginia, but still, uh, I'm not overly juiced for that game, but I'll tell you what, you get Big 12, you get in a solid ACC opponent, let's beat him, let's take care of business. Then I go to Baylor and... Um, Baylor taking on Vanderbilt in the Texas Bowl in Houston. Good stadium, always a good venue, always a good time. And on top of that, hey, it's the SEC, man. You got to win those SEC games, even if it's a mediocre team like Vanderbilt. And I want to see how uh, much better, how improved this Baylor team gets with three extra weeks of practice. I mean, this is enormous for Matt Rule. If you're a Baylor fan and You know, you're looking at this game and you're into this, obviously, and what's going on here with this program and with this team. This extra three to four weeks of practice time is huge for 2019. To go from one win to bowl eligibility on the final weekend of the regular season and get this team to this Texas bowl, there is so much value that you can't even describe. That's how big this is for Matt Rule in this program, and kudos to him for getting his team there. Great job. So you got a Big 12-SEC matchup. Last but not least, in terms of ranking the Big 12 bowl games, TCU and Cal in the uh, Cheez It Bowl. The Cheez It Bowl. Gotta love these names in Phoenix, Arizona at Chase Field. It's a Wednesday night. It's against Cal. Uh, You know, Cal's not a team that that gets anybody all that juiced up. Hey, I'm I'm happy for TCU that it did get to a bowl game. I mean, the fact that Gary Patterson had this team win its final two games, big deal, also big for a a young team. So, I'm not going to take that away from them, but I'm not going to sit here and say I'm overly juiced for it, <laughs> okay? I'll watch it. I'm into it. I care about it, but it's not I'm not losing any sleep on Christmas Day saying, "Jesus, I can't wait for the Cheese Bowl tomorrow." All right? I'm just I'm not going to do it. You know, they went 7 and 5 this year. Did uh, did Cal Uh, you know, they got a couple of good wins, a couple of uh, bad losses. They beat Washington and lost to UCLA. How that happens, I'll never know, but go figure. So there you have it ranking the uh, Big 12 bowl games best to worst. OU, Texas, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, West Virginia, Baylor, and TCU. By the way, a lot of news this week in the Big 12 conference. All right, a lot of news. We all know what happened whether it's something like uh, Cliff Kingsbury, USC, Bill Schneider retiring. We'll get to it all coming up next on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your Big 12 independent digital media outlet. Well, the coaching moves are underway. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Thanks so much for joining us and being a part of the show. So uh, let's talk about Bill Snyder's retirement here first off. The way this thing went down was very awkward to me. First off, it should have happened a week earlier than it did. Maybe not a week, but certainly it should have happened a few days earlier than it did. That tells me that Bill Snyder did not want to give it up. He did not want to stop coaching. You know the other reason I feel like that happened? Because there was a statement that was put out by Kansas State, and guess what? There was nothing in there from Bill Snyder, The guy who was retiring after 27 years on the job Basically, 30 years with the program. There was that three year stint with uh, Ron Prince. Uh, thank God we all forget that. But basically, 30 years of him turning around what was at the time, and many people believe to be, the worst college football program in America. And for him to not have anything in that statement saying, you know, hey, love the fans. Thanks so much. Uh, talk to you guys soon. Out of something. You know, anything, anything from Bill Snyder. I'm, I'm having soup for dinner. I mean, just something that makes you say, yeah, he was part of this. He was into this. He didn't do it. And it was very awkward. You know, Gene Taylor, the AD, said last week, I, I will have an answer hopefully by, or we will have an answer by the end of the week. He didn't. Friday came and went. Saturday came and went. Now, he wasn't going to do it on Championship Saturday, but then it came down to Sunday. And it was like, uh, we appreciate Coach. He was really successful, and we're looking for a new head coach. It was weird, and it's just it's sad. It didn't have to be this way, um, but there's a lot of people to blame. First off, I put some of the blame on Bill Snyder. The reason I put some of the blame on Bill Snyder is because he was too stubborn during this whole thing. The writing was on the wall. It was time. Frankly, it was probably time— after Colin Klein maybe, but if nothing else, he could have gone out last year. You win the Cactus bowl in dramatic fashion. you beat UCLA. you end what, eight and five, go out on a high note. That could have been it. You come back. You have a bad season. You go five and seven. All year, people are saying, you know, does he still have it? Is it still there? It did not look like a Bill Snyder coach team at all. Special teams were a mess, too many penalties. Couldn't figure out what he wanted to do on offense two really green coordinators. There was a lot of question marks there. And it did not look like a Bill Snyder team. So it was time. And he did not clearly want to admit that it was time. At least that's not what it looked like over the last couple of weeks. It just nothing about how the last couple of weeks went looked like a guy that was content moving on. Because you know what would have been great? It would have been great if the Kansas State fan base could have spent maybe that final senior day against Texas Tech saying goodbye to the coach, you know, that would have been awesome. And, and I know that's not Bill Snyder's style, but that would have been so cathartic for the fan base. Uh, the place would have been rocking. And I know they won the game, but, man, it, it just would have been nice. And he, he was too stubborn to, to, you know, kind of agree to something like that because I think he still wanted to do this. I blame the university. I mean, the university uh, allowed themselves to be bent over a barrel when it came to some of this stuff around Bill Snyder. The fact that he had it written in his contract that he could uh, have adequate input into his successor. This guy was paid millions of dollars to coach the team. He's got the stadium named after him. I know that's partially because of, you know, what he's helped do at that university, but still, uh, they've treated him very well. You got the statue, everything else. Uh, The fact that that was in his contract... It didn't it didn't help this whole situation. You can't have an employee, no matter who it is, whether it's Bill Snyder. I mean, you know, you can go down to LeBron James, anybody. You can't have somebody be ultimately bigger than the program because then, you know, you got the inmates running the asylum, so to speak. And, you know, Bill Snyder, if if it was up to him, he'd do this till he dropped dead. And that did not create a good situation because we know he wanted Sean to be the head coach. And thank goodness Sean is not the head coach. I'm sorry. Sean Snyder's probably a good man. If you want to be a head coach of a team, go be a head coach. Go to Garden City Community College. Go to Emporia State. Go to Texas State. But to think that you're going to hang around as the special teams coordinator slash assistant head coach and just be handed the job, No. Uh, That nepotism would have driven me nuts. And I'm glad Kansas State, took them a little bit, but I'm glad they stood up to the darn thing. So I'll give Gene Taylor some credit for that. Um, But it it just felt awkward to me. I don't know what's next for, I mean, not that Bill Snyder's coaching, but is he going to do something next year? Or is this going to kind of end on a sour note between himself and uh, the rest of the program? I don't know. We'll see. By the way, you have Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury is going to USC. So it was reported late last week that this was a done deal. And then people like Bruce Feldman said, not so fast. He's got some NFL options he wants to consider. And think about this. Kansas State, excuse me, Texas Tech gets rid of this guy. I would not have fired him. I made that very clear multiple times throughout the last 10 10 days, two weeks, whatever it might be. I wouldn't have fired him. I looked at the big picture. I said, this team is trending in the right direction. They played the best teams in the Big 12, the single digits to you know a touchdown or so. He had a ton of injuries. He deserved another shot. Tech felt otherwise. And now Kingsbury's apparently looking at NFL offers. I mean, are you kidding me? Even if it's just offensive coordinator? I mean, that tells you a lot about what people think of this guy. Now he's going to go to USC. He's going to light it up with JT Daniels. You just watch. That team, which was one of the worst offensive teams in the Pac-12, is going to be totally changed. Now, for Matt Wells, I don't know much about Matt Wells. I'm not going to pretend that I do. Um, I trust Kirby Hokut based on the hires that he's made in baseball and in basketball. I trust him. But I got to be honest, uh, this is not a hire that makes the fan base uh, jump around, right? It's just, it's not. So... (laughs) It doesn't mean he's not going to be a great head coach, Not going to mean doesn't mean he's not going to turn around the program, but at the same time, he's not somebody that makes the donors uh, make sure that they're buying up those box seats next year, you know? I mean, they'll do it because it's the start of a new regime, but I don't think it makes them uh, overly excited. I'll just, I'll leave it at that. So it'll be fascinating to follow. I'm really interested in learning more about Matt Wells, seeing what he's all about, where this goes, uh, what kind of a coach he is at the Power 5 level. He's kind of had an up and down tenure at Utah State, and it'll be uh, intriguing to see. Well, coming up, one fan base is extra happy about how this week went in the Big 12. We'll tell you why next on Heartland College Sports Weekly. By the way, you know which fan base probably had the best week in the Big 12? That would be the Iowa State Cyclones. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much for joining us, whether it's through the radio show, podcast, uh, Facebook, YouTube, whatever it might be. Check us out in all those places. Your independent Big 12 home. So, huge news this week that Iowa State fans were jumping for joy on. And that is that Urban Meyer is going to retire after the Rose Bowl. Now you're thinking, oh no, Urban Meyer's retiring. Ohio State's going to go after Matt Campbell, the Ohio kid who was made Iowa State a legitimate contender at the Big 12 and Power Five level. Here we go. This is it. Matt Campbell's gone for good. No, that's not what happened here. It didn't happen because they have Ryan Day, their 39-year-old offensive coordinator, a guy who was the interim head coach earlier this season when Meyer was suspended, uh, you know, due to the whole Zach Smith thing. Okay, cool, hook 'em, right? I mean, that's Tom Herman would say. Um, but seriously, that 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 was a disaster for for Urban Meyer. Ryan Day, the interim head coach, fills in, and apparently Ohio State viewed this Meyer. Day situation, very similar to a Bob Stoops, Lincoln Riley type of situation, which is interesting when you think about it. And I, I never put two and two together. Now, I remember when when Ryan Day was talked about as being the interim head coach, that this was a guy who a lot of teams had interest in and somebody who, you know, uh, teams were looking to hire either after last season, after this season, whatever it might be. But I did not think Urban Meyer was going to retire this year. I thought he might do it next year, in the next couple of years. No, he did it this year, right now, and Iowa State fans can breathe a sigh of relief. Not only are you going to the Alamo Bowl against Washington State, but you confirm the fact that unless something happens with Ryan Day, and yeah, it might not work out after you know two, three, four years, unless Brian Kelly steps away and Notre Dame calls up Matt Campbell, I can't see him leaving. I I, I don't see it. I'm looking at the other Big Ten jobs, like let's say a Wisconsin or Northwestern, because that's really Matt Campbell's roots, right? I mean, those are the jobs that you think about. I I think at this point, they're lateral moves because of what he's built in Ames, not just culturally, but on the field. And Iowa State's that kind of a weird, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but kind of that weird team where they're almost in that Big 12, well, they really are in that Big 12 West footprint. I mean, geographically, Big 10 West, uh, they can certainly recruit areas the Big 10's recruiting. Uh, You know, a kid that's willing to go to Nebraska from Illinois is probably willing to go to Iowa State, right? I mean, you're splitting hairs and travel depending on where you're going and where you're coming from. So there's a lot of things to sit there and say, Matt Campbell's basically got what he needs, and as long as Iowa State continues to give them the resources, which there's nothing we've seen saying that that's not going to happen, geez, I mean, this guy really could stay in Ames for, I mean, forget five years, you could get him for 10. And if you told me after last year, you know, what's the over-under of Matt Campbell at Iowa State, I probably would have put it at around 4.5 or 5.5, right? Is that, is that unfair? That's, that's what I would have done. So the fact that now this guy's looking at, forget five, I mean, this will be three. I I, I know that coaches move all the time and anything can happen, right? The old cliche. But if you're putting a wager on it right now, are you taking the over-under five years on Matt Campbell? I'm probably taking the over just because I'm looking at the tea leaves around the country and I believe there's a select few jobs he would leave for. He's not going to the West Coast. I mean, the the fact that he was even tied to the USC job, had that job ever opened up, if Clay Clay Helton was fired, he was not going to take that job. He wasn't going to go out to the West Coast. He's not a West Coast guy. It would have been a big-time Big Ten job. I mean, maybe Jim Harbaugh blows himself out of Michigan, and they give a call to Matt Campbell. But even so, that's a weird fit, and he's an Ohio kid. Would he really want to go up north? Right? Would he want to be with the team up north? I guess money talks, but I'd be surprised by that. So great news for Iowa State fans this week. Uh, More power to them. They are living large right now in Ames. And uh, I know that Iowa State fans knew that this team could get back to contention, but to get back to where it is and the success that it's having and to look at 2019, a way too early 2019 look and say, this team can compete for a Big 12 championship next year. They have their quarterback for at least the next two years, probably the next three, unless Brock Purdy suddenly finds himself as, you know, a top 15 NFL draft pick after his junior season. You got your quarterback for the next three years. You got to improve the offensive line. You have solid pieces on defense, arguably the best defensive coordinator in the conference. What more can you ask for right now if you're an Iowa State fan? I mean, you got to pinch yourself sometimes. You really do. So Oklahoma State coach Mike Gundy, he reimbursed an Oklahoma City radio personality who bet $250 on the Cowboys to win more than eight games in Las Vegas before the season. Uh, Ron Benton, part of the uh, Morning Animals down in Oklahoma City, lost the bet when Oklahoma State, of course, did not reach that number and finished 6-6. Six and six. Why you would bet the over on Oklahoma State winning eight games? I, I, before the season, I had him pretty low. I had him, I think, eighth in the conference. And I thought this team would win five, six, and, and I got a lot of predictions wrong, all right? I'm not going to sit here and act like I got them all right. I got a lot of predictions wrong, but I got a few right. And one of the ones I got right was Oklahoma State. When you lose that duo of Mason Rudolph and James Washington, you don't just turn that thing around in a year, especially when it was looking like at the time they were going to have to go with a true freshman at quarterback or a fifth-year senior. And I know the offense wasn't normally the problem this year. It was defense. It was, uh, well, it was at times offense, the offensive line especially. Um, It was kind of weird play calling at times. It was lack of focus at times. It was a lot of strange things. But Ron Benton said that... um, Gundy wrote a letter addressed to him that included a personal check for 250 bucks, and he said in the letter, the rumor is you bet on our team and lost your money. We came up short, so I thought the manly thing to do is reimburse a guy for believing in our team. Well, you know, I got a message here from Mike Gundy. I don't know if uh, you knew this. I kept this private, but I bet 10 grand on Oklahoma State to hit the over. So, you know, I'll take the check whenever you got it, Okay. Whenever you're ready, Coach Gundy, I will take the check, and um, please do send it to Kansas City. Hit me a DM on Twitter. I'll get that number to you ASAP. Uh, give you my apartment number, and away we go. Does that work for you? Yeah. It was wait was it ten grand or a hundred grand? I think it was actually hundred grand. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, good for Mike Gundy paying up on a bet. 250 bucks. Uh, Texas freshman safety Caden Stearns expected to be available for the uh, Sugar Bowl. Suffered a knee injury during Saturday's Big 12 championship game. Stearns, the Big 12 defensive freshman of the year, uh, left the Longhorns game against OU, did not return. That's a big deal. As I said, every fan for OU and every fan for Texas should be rooting for the other team, and every Big 12 fan in general should be rooting for during bull season for OU and Texas going up against Alabama and Georgia, the uh, two SEC heavyweights. You got to be pulling for those two teams. We all should be pulling for those two teams in those Big 12 SEC matchups. And uh, before we head out here, Alex Delton transferring for Kansas State, the quarterback. Not shocked. He lost out in the battle of Skylar Thompson. Not a huge loss. Not a huge loss. But I'm also not going to say it's not a big deal because you know, Kansas State's lost 25 players from the program the past couple of years. That was part of the underlying problem for Bill Snyder. It wasn't just that he, you know, wasn't up to snuff per se on you know, some of the modern-day college football things. You know, like the fact that players can transfer much more easily, the fact that they can play in four games and still have a red shirt. It felt like he was archaic in a lot of ways in what he was doing this season. But I don't blame Alex Delton for saying, you know what, I'm out. I can play right away. Cause he's graduated let me see where I can go who wants my services and move on for there but it is a big loss because Skylar Thompson got better as the season went along you saw some of those throws at the end of the year like against Texas Tech that he would not have made last season or even earlier this season so it's a big deal for him but it leaves Kansas State thin again at another position So something to keep an eye on if you're a Wildcats fan. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Being a part of the show, we'll be back next week, same time, same place, right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. 2,000 country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. Hey, guys. Thanks again for downloading this week's show. Really appreciate it. And please do rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Send me a screenshot of your review, Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. I'll get you the free koozie. It'll be in the mail. Just send me the address. I'll get it to you. Enjoy it. Appreciate it. And we'll talk soon.